This is the last video in our focus on behavioral economics, those forces that drive us as syndicators, fund managers, businesses, raising capital, those forces that determine whether our underwriting is good or not so good. It's those forces underneath the surface that are helping us make decisions, sometimes for good, mostly for ill, so we need to be aware of what they are, what they do, and how they work. So in this video, the last of our series is going to focus on the last three um, emotional biases that take place underneath behavioral economics. There are six emotional biases when it comes to behavioral economics. In the last video, we talked about loss aversion, endowment, and self-control. Today, we're gonna to focus on the last three, which are status quo, overconfidence, and regret aversion. So these are emotional biases that take place that are in us all. They are emotional biases that drive us, some to a more larger extent than others, but they're there and they help us and they help us make decisions. They make us more efficient, but they often can change our analysis in a way that's less good. So by focusing on them and thinking about them and going through a list as you're underwriting, asking yourself if the if you're being moved by one of these is helpful because it makes our numbers more accurate, it makes our analysis more accurate, which helps our investors who make more, uh, more, uh, more money from it, and it helps us by helping them make more money for it. And a lot of times it makes us more money at the same time too. The better our decision making is, the better our analysis is, the better it is for them and for us. So it really works across the board and it's a useful exercise to think about uh, as you go through your underwriting process. So let's talk about what these are. The status quo is really just the resistance to change. I like to think of uh, status quo, the status quo bias as, well, I've done this this way for, uh, for a million years, and so that's what we're gonna stick with. I've put out offers under this uh, under this rule for you know since the beginning and that's what we're going to stick with. I always raise money with my friends and family and I never put an advertisement out cuz that's what and that's what we're going to stick with. I always go to my one investor who always invests, you know, 50% of all the capital I need to raise and that's what we're going to stick with. We're not going to diversify more. I always buy multifamily properties and that's what we're going to stick with. Well, that all well may be well and good, and that may be something that you still want to do, but it is also a status quo bias. It's also a resistance to change. Now, this is extremely normal. We all have this, this tendency to want to stick to what's known rather than venturing forth into the unknown. It's a more risky, it feels riskier in order to do that. But sometimes status quo can also cause problems. By relying on that one key investor, what happens when that one key investor drops out and isn't going to be investing anymore? When that one asset type that we've been focused on suddenly changes in the market's view, and then we're suddenly left without anything to syndicate anymore because nobody would invest with us anymore. 
What do we do and how do we adapt to change when you're trying stuck in status quo? Because obviously you can't, right? The whole idea of adapting to change is you got to change. So, uh, and then that has to unstick us from the status quo bias. So that's the status quo bias. So when you're underwriting or when you're picking new projects, just think, why are you stuck there? You know, maybe you should open it up just a little bit or think about things opening up just a little bit and kind of test yourself, see if it makes sense. It might, it may not. And if it doesn't, that's great. But at least you went through the thought process of, well, maybe what would happen if I did X? or opened it up or thought a little bit more broadly about things. Number two is the overconfidence. This is the belief in superior ability to profit from economic data. Now this one certainly is there. I mean, everybody who's comes, most of my clients come from a more salesy background or a development background. Those two fields oftentimes have overconfidence as it relates to it. It's how they get the job done because the things that they have to do to sell or to develop are challenging and weighty. And if you didn't have a lot of confidence, it'd be really hard to do it. So a lot of people do suffer from this overconfidence and that's okay to a point. It's okay as long as you're not doing what is the natural fallout from this, which is understating or under, uh, let's call it, underestimating Losses, risks, and overestimating profits and benefits. Right? That's what can happen if we've got too much, uh, too much overconfidence is that we're overestimating, right? It's that um, we don't want to do that. We don't want to, we need to make sure that our analyses are complete, accurate, and neutral, right? And so that's, that's the big risk of overconfidence. Overconfidence in itself is very helpful. It's that over, uh, overstate, overestimating, underestimating issue that comes up that's the problem. So. Uh, that's the overconfidence uh, problem. Now, the last one is regret aversion. Now, this is similar to uh, loss aversion, but it's seeking to avoid negative uh, outcomes only only seeking to avoid negative outcomes. 
So whereas loss aversion is you want to avoid the whole loss, this is just you're trying to uh, seek a negative outcome. This can be holding on to a position too long or avoiding markets. This happens quite a bit. Avoiding markets with sharp gains and losses because you start thinking, okay, maybe that maybe I will have be seen as uh, I came in too late or I exited too early. Um, so that's the regret aversion, that you would regret your, the decision that you made about that one particular thing. I think that might be the, the key, is that avoiding markets or assets or something that have those sharp, sharp gains and losses, thinking, well, maybe investors are going to think that I'm going, uh, I got in too late or I got in too early. Uh, that is regret aversion. Uh, so my name is Tilda Muschietti. Now, I am a syndication attorney with the Muschietti Syndication Law Group. I help specifically uh, real estate developers, real estate syndicators, real estate fund managers, fund managers of other asset classes, private equity funds, businesses, all of them. I help them to raise capital and stay in compliance with the rules of the SEC and state government. So under the SEC, we're talking about Regulation D, Rule 506B and 506C. And for the states, it's making sure that they are notified that we are doing offerings underneath those regulations, under Regulation D. So that's what my, my law practice does. What also, the other hat I wear is as a syndicator and fund manager myself. So as that, I've been exposed to a lot of the problems that you face every day. So with my legal hat on, I certainly see a huge panoply of problems that can happen and opportunities uh, as a lawyer of things that happen and risks and, and I can analyze and I do analyze for how that happens and help my clients with that, help explain conflicts, help minimize and mitigate risks and conflicts and all those things, explain terms and craft language in order to protect them. But also as a syndicator and fund manager myself, I also bend into your shoes. So I know the pressures that you feel at the same time of these behavioral economic forces. I've felt the pressure of needing to raise funds from investors. I've had investors sitting across from me and I've pitched them. I've talked to them about the investment and why they should buy. I've been looking for assets. I look for assets to buy as well, just like you do, in order to make sure that I can have something to offer them so that I can make money. I've had to make decisions on when to waive uh, contingencies on deals and when to put my own money at risk. So those same forces that happen. What that offers is a very broad view. So that's what we help clients with, is to help you ultimately be successful with your capital raising offering because not only am I an excellent lawyer, uh, but I also have been in your shoes doing exactly what you're doing as well. And we can offer advice and consultation in order to help make you successful. So give my office a call if we can help put your offering together under Regulation D, Rule 506B, Rule 506C, and we'll also help you as a client work through the issues that you experience as a syndicator from somebody who's been there and done it themselves.